Hello and welcome to the 108 podcast. I'm Raquel. (laughs) I forgot that I was next. (laughs) And I'm Amanda. And we are the type one together girls. Hopefully you're not annoyed with us just yet. So sorry. We are stripping down life with type 1 diabetes from two people who live different versions of it every single day. Please remember that type 1 together does not give medical advice. We are only sharing from personal experience. (laughs) What a way to open the episode. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I usually have my little like intro pulled up because I have not memorized it yet. I'll get there. I promise. But I was like, oh, wait, I didn't pull it up. What am I supposed to say? Uh, people are probably so annoyed anyways we're gonna keep going because this is oh how we God. roll we're sharing the real laughing <laughs> so hard right now okay anyways um before we get into all the things today we're really excited because we're bringing on our first podcast sponsor and we're so thankful to vile safe so This is just so exciting because we have both been obsessed with their products for so long now and they've been so useful for us and it's just such a like, duh, we need this product. Yes, VileSafe was created by a diabetic for diabetes and it solves the huge issue of accidentally breaking your insulin vials. So these reusable insulin vial covers make the vial so much easier to hold and it saves the expense, heartache, insurance nightmare, and smell of breaking an insulin vial. Have you guys ever dropped your insulin vial on the kitchen floor? It's It's gross. (laughs) I especially love using mine for travel and they have so many cute colors and designs now that make your insulin vials or pens so much more fun. It's such a no-brainer product for me that I believe we all need in our lives. And you can now use code TYPE1TOGETHER25 for 25% off at vialsafe.com. That was so generous of them to give y'all a discount. So generous. Um, Yes. Okay. This product seriously is the best, especially for those of us with young children who are still um, working on their dexterity, like my three-year-old who fumbles everything. (laughs) And she wants to be part of her diabetes management, right? And I'm encouraging that. I want her to take pride and ownership in this disease process. And so I'm teaching her how to drop insulin to fill her pods. But like, a glass vial very easily slips out of tiny fingers. Mm -hmm. So like we've got the pack of five that's like the different kind of marbled colors. So it adds fun and something like new and exciting for a three-year-old to switch out insulin covers. And then it gives me peace of mind that as she's working on, uh, you know, figuring out how to draw up insulin on her own with her tiny little grubby fingers, um, <laughs> that, that that bottle of insulin is going to be safe. Yes. I remember still, I think I was like probably eight or nine. I went to my friend's birthday at Great Wolf Lodge, which is like a big water park resort combined in one. And it was kind of far from my house. It was like a sleepover party. And so I brought my insulin, of course, and I was changing my site and I dropped my vial and it completely shattered all over the floor. And I was just mortified. I was like, what am I going to do? I felt so silly for dropping it. But it's just something that happens to all of us. And I've definitely dropped one since then, too. So I didn't completely learn my lesson. But ever since vial safe came to be, uh, that has not happened because just such an easy way to keep your vials safe. They say always use protection, right? And so this is how we can use protection as type ones. 
Amazing. So <laughs> thank again, you again, vial yes. safe. And you can use the code type one together 25 for 25% off at vialsafe.com. All right. So today we are, well, I think we should just catch up first because it has been a while. We actually tried to record an episode last week all about 504 plans and school and we had some technical difficulties. So stay tuned. That is still going to be coming. Um, but is there anything happening in diabetes world for you, Amanda, that you want to share? Yeah. Um, I actually just made a video for Honey Health on this topic, but um, Omnipod actually sent us a new PDM and asked us to box up the old PDM and send it back. I forget what the issue was. I think it was something about like the um, connection where the charger like plugs into the actual PDM. It's it was like a safety hazard or something. I remember reading about it a long time ago and just flushing it from my brain because I was <laughs> like, I can't worry about that. <laughs> right yep. um, anyway, so we had to start up a brand new PDM, which means start from scratch with a new algorithm. And this time around has gone so much better than last time around. I mean, the very first time that we got started on an insulin pump, it like anything was going to be better than our current MDI regimen for her because there were just so many variables with a two and a half year old. Um, but what's very common for pediatric endos is to start with really conservative numbers, right? And so it took me a long time of tweaking the like basal profiles that they had set up for us and tweaking all the carb ratios on my own to actually dial in decent numbers. And it's just, you know, at some point after a year and a half, the algorithm has so much information that has been fed over 18 months time that it's trying to keep up with some days where she needs almost no insulin and other days where she needs the amount of insulin that a grown man uses. So it's just like <laughs> we had been struggling a lot with numbers this summer. Um, I We had a endo appointment recently and I was very surprised and very happy with the A1C, but I was shocked at the number because I was like, there's no way this numbers <laughs> this summer has been shit with our management. <laughs> like but yeah. um so starting with a fresh PDM and like not not necessarily like I didn't have to go to her endo for numbers, you know? Like mm -hmm. I, I got explicit permission from her endo at our most recent appointment to make all changes on my own and just call her if I feel the need for more guidance. But she mm -hmm. was like, I don't have anything extra to give you right now, which was nice, you know, nice to get yeah. to that point. Um, but it was like suddenly 14 days straight of stubborn nighttime highs going in, constantly bolusing, like trying to teach the pump, you have to give more, keep up, be more aggressive, whatever. It took one night and finally like it was wow. brand new pump, brand new algorithm, all of the settings that I knew she needed. One night, the pump is typically on the more conservative side to begin with because it doesn't want to risk sending anyone crashing low while they're sleeping. I said, nope, that's too conservative. Give this big bolus. This is what's necessary. And then 
it's been five straight nights of her being perfectly in range all night long. So now I feel like I've got my sanity back because yeah, because someone said to me early on in our journey, um, actually a type one diabetic who is my sister-in-law's sister. So, you know, fringe ish, but I'm comfortable enough with her. She told me, I think of nights as my freebie, 12 hours Mm -hmm. straight Mm -hmm. of your freebie in range blood sugar. So if you work on it, and she was like, if you work on figuring out, this is when we were still in the MDI, she's like, work on figuring out your Atlantis dose overnight. So then you can like remove that from your brain as a factor and then you just have to deal with like your meal times throughout the day with your toddler. And I was like, okay. Anyway, so that's just always in my head. And whenever we have really challenging nights, especially when they're high nights, I just am like, ugh, it's ruining my 12 hours of free night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's so real. I see it the same way, but that's really changed because the new technology is allowing me to have those freebie moments, whereas Nights used to be the toughest time and I was pretty much low or high every single night, I feel like, for most of my childhood growing up because it was just so hard to figure out exactly what I needed, especially because I was dancing all the time. It's like I always crash in the middle of the night. Um, But now, yeah, it's like the nights that are hard. It's so much more frustrating. It's like, ugh. But also, well, I guess as a parent, you're still not getting sleep, right? But also as a person living with diabetes, when you have the highs or the lows at night, you don't get as good sleep, which then impacts your blood sugars for the next day as mm-hmm. well. And so it's just like double trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots I of mean, frustration. Yeah, it's like a crazy cycle you can't get out of. It impacts – I mean for – yes, I, I can't imagine what she physically feels like and it makes me sad. So like there's that mm-hmm. aspect of it as a parent to know that she doesn't feel at her best and like that's my responsibility. You know, I know there's nothing I can do about it and I – wake up and give the insulin and, you know, like I know I'm doing everything I know how to do, but it still feels like my responsibility, my fault. She's not perfectly in range overnight. And then I'm thinking to myself, freak, she's going to need to sleep in, but she can't because it's preschool. She Mm -hmm. is going to be exhausted. She's now going to be like extra tantrumy. I'm tired. So I don't have as big of a like span to deal with like the tantrums and to regulate my own emotions. Now I'm going to rely heavily on TV because that's, that is my personal crutch. Like Mm -hmm. all of you anti-screen time parents, please don't come at me. But honestly, the, one of the most helpful (laughs) things that I read recently for parenting is if you use screen time to make you a better parent, then mm-hmm. it's not a misuse of screen time. So if, like if you're using screen time because you need one hour to cook dinner, guess what? That's not a misuse of screen time. That's using screen time so that you can get peace and quiet. Your children have a chance to like come down, not be so, you know, like mentally stimulated. And then you're feeding your children. Yes. Like, I like that. Quality, you know, anyway, but it's still in the back of my head, no matter what. Anytime I turn the TV on, I'm like, oh, their brains are going to be freaking slushy jello by the time oh, they're done. Five. <laughs> Bye. 
<laughs> Definitely not. I don't know, but that was such a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, what about you? What's going on in your life? Um, so I have been trying to do leg sites because ever since I was little, I had a fear of going to the endo because they would always tell me to rotate my sights. And so trying to do this for a month where I just use my legs because I use my stomachs mostly or my stomach and my hips. Um, But it's been kind of frustrating because I don't know, it doesn't seem to be absorbing as well in my leg. And also, I'm not sure if I've talked about this on here yet, but I've been using true steel sights, which are the steel cannula tandem T-slim pump sights. And the reason why I switched is because with the auto soft sites, I was getting a lot of kinked cannulas and I could see the insulin leaking out and my number would go super high and it was very frustrating. And as soon as I switched to True Steel, they're a little scarier to put in because it's like a manual insertion needle and you can see the needle like it looks kind of scary, um, but it doesn't usually hurt. Sometimes it does. But my numbers have been so much better. Like I have never had insulin absorb as well as when I use those sites. But when I started to use my legs, I was not brave enough to use those. And I have some extra AutoSoft sites from before that I'm trying to go through at some point. And so I've just been using those. But that combined with the, uh, it being in my legs, I think, I've just had really high numbers. And like I was telling you before we got on today, I had a 59% time in range today, which for me is definitely on the lower side. And it just feels frustrating just because I've been feeling really tired and blah and kind of out of it and it probably has to do with my numbers so it's annoying because I'm trying really hard to do the right thing give my stomach a break but part of me just wants to go back to it because I want to feel good and it's like well is it really helping my body overall if my numbers are higher and I'm up and down but uh, I think I'm going to try to stick to it for a bit and maybe try true steel this week and see if it's better I also have noticed that the tubing annoys me more. Like, I don't really notice my pump is on. People ask me that a lot. Like, isn't it annoying to have tubing? When it's on my stomach, I just tuck it into my pockets if I'm wearing jeans or even my waistband if I'm wearing leggings. Like, I rarely even use a clip these days. And I don't notice it at all. Like, I'm so used to it. But on my legs, I even notice it when I'm sleeping or, like, when I'm going to the bathroom, I'm so aware of not ripping it off because there's so many times I already almost did and I could feel the tugging on it. And so... I don't know. It's just like more mentally there that I have diabetes, which is interesting because I'm realizing now like how other people might feel that way based on something as small as where you put your pump site. Like it just it's more noticeable. And also, depending on what shorts I've been wearing, it's been hard to figure out how to loop the tubing so that it's not tugging on the site. But if it's just hanging out, then it gets caught on things, which I also don't experience when I put it on my stomach. And so I love my tandem and I know uh Like, I I don't want to necessarily change pumps because of that, but it's just like, wow, diabetes is really annoying. It's kind of been a reminder of that, Yeah. Um, which sometimes I feel like it just kind of goes in the back of my mind. I don't think about it, but I kind of have been a lot lately. So I guess there's that. Um, And also there was the hurricane that hit Southern California California. (laughs) and... I'm in LA and it was not bad like they were saying here. I mean, it was raining for a long time, but it wasn't bad. But the power did go out and it's still out. I'm actually recording at a family member's house right now. And so that's been weird because I had to figure out where to put all the insulin. And I have a good amount of insulin right now, thankfully. I don't know how I've stocked up so much, but I really don't want it to go bad. And so, again, it's just one of those moments where it's like, oh, diabetes is a thing. 
I literally need this to survive. This cannot all just sit out and be good for the months to come, you know? So it's kind of shocking when those moments happen and it kind of reminds you how real it is. And I can't imagine for people that are in Maui dealing with all of that or like Mm -hmm. more impacted by the hurricane and having to worry about insulin. Also, (laughs) there was an earthquake yesterday. Did you ever (laughs) feel it? I don't think I ever got made its way to San Diego. But I am from Texas, if you don't already know that. And so I've only been in LA a couple of years. And I was sitting alone in our room and I was looking ahead of me. I was actually sending you a voice message, Amanda. I wish I would have sent that one because I started freaking out on it. And then I X'd (laughs) out. But I was looking at this like standing plastic fan that we have and it just started moving back and forth so fast. And I was like, what the heck is happening? Like, is this an earthquake? And then my roommates like yelled my name afterwards and because it only lasted like probably six seconds or something and I ran downstairs and they were like let's take the dogs outside like it might happen again and so I was getting all my stuff and I was like wait I need my diabetes supplies so I like ran back upstairs and grabbed them but again it was one of those moments where it's like ugh, I need my stuff you know like what if we're out there for a while and I go low or what if uh, it was kind of a weird day hurricane plus earthquake at once like (laughs) what is happening but yeah I don't know if you think about those moments Amanda it's just kind of weird it's freaking scary. Um, I do sometimes, but I will tell you, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna become a broken record with this stuff. My anti-anxiety meds, Zoloft, baby, keeps those thoughts just away. You know, yeah. like I kind of am now. Like I, of course, think about safety precautions and what would we do in worst case scenarios, but it doesn't, it doesn't like penetrate yeah, my brain and like, you know, take up every ounce of energy. Um, maybe it should. No, 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 it shouldn't. I mean, <laughs> I don't really think about it when it's not happening. It's one of those things that I'm like, oh, it's never going to happen to me, which is a horrible way of thinking. But then when it does, thankfully it hasn't ever been so bad, knock on wood, but it's like, I need to be more prepared maybe and actually care about it a little more to at least have like a go bag ready or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, a go bag. I know that is interesting. You're making me think like if a earthquake happened in our house in the middle of the night, all the bedrooms are on one side of the house and the kitchen where we keep all of the diabetes supplies is on the other side of the house. So mm-hmm. if there was an earthquake and there debris that fell in the middle of the house Mm, good point Hmm. you'd have to like get your way there yeah we definitely have like random low snacks in the bedrooms but i don't know just something to think about yeah it is but yeah otherwise (laughs) life is good um i went to san diego this weekend briefly and didn't get to see you which was the most sad thing ever but i left early because of the storm coming yeah um, but we did pick up the second version of the Type One Together coloring book. So stay tuned for the launch for that will be in September. And for each one, so we donate one to a newly diagnosed family in the hospital. And all the kids in the book are real kids from our community living with diabetes. So it's the cutest thing ever. And I can't wait for everyone to see this one. It's a really beautiful book. And I can't wait to donate a bunch of copies because we ordered twice as many as last time. We're going to be donating 500 books this year, at least. That's like before 
the ones that are purchased. Like we're for sure going to be donating at least 500, which makes me so happy. I'm so excited. Did you wait to send the supplies up to Stanford until um, you got these? I sent some of the old ones, but I'm going to be sending more up there. And then we're hoping to disperse them in lots of different hospitals this year. So listeners, if you like have a connection or you go to an endo clinic that would be open to taking some, we'd love to get these in the hands of newly diagnosed kids, especially like literally when they're first diagnosed, because I know the parents have so much education to do and it's like the kids just sit there and they're so bored and it would give them hopefully something a little happy and hopeful to look at and color. Yeah, seriously, you guys, if if any of you are tight with your endos or if you feel like your hospital experience could have used a coloring book like day one or two, I I mean, we (laughs) – it was was bad. Just because of um, COVID, they – you know, and the isolation and everything, we couldn't go to the playroom. The playroom wasn't even open. So we're literally stuck in her hospital room. And like I had brought, I don't know, a couple books and like a few crayons, but kids get over that really quickly. And they finally brought us Coco the monkey, which is like another version of the JDRF bear that gets handed out. And She came in a box, a cardboard box that had pictures on the outside of it that you could color in. And she was so excited. Like it was the first time I saw my child turn back into a child since Mm -hmm. we had been admitted. Yeah. And I think all the time about if we were handed Type 1 Together's coloring book and I could Mm -hmm. go through it in the Mm. hospital with her and see other kids like I would have been sobbing you know like you feel yes all the feelings if you don't know anyone with diabetes or you don't know another kid with diabetes when your child gets diagnosed you literally feel like your child is the only child their age with type 1 and you're just like crumbling for them right and so being able to immediately see thriving children wearing medical devices and giving themselves injections is just like, it's such a brilliant idea, Raquel. All oh, the props and praise. So. <laughs> I'm excited. It'll be here before we know it. Yeah. So tomorrow is a big day over at your house. You have first day of school for the kiddos. So I want to kind of hear, even though we're going to talk about 504 plans and all that fun stuff with Anna later. Um, how are you preparing for that? And what have you already done? What are you planning to do? All the things. Yeah. Okay. So, um, first of all, I don't, my kids are not like school age yet. You know, the youngest just turned two and the oldest will be four in the fall. She's our type one. So this is, um, a private preschool that's local to us. And it took me, a good like six to eight months of searching and calling a ton of preschools in the neighborhood. A lot did not call me back. The few who picked up and heard me out literally said, we cannot take on that liability. I'm so sorry. We're not the place for you. And then the one other preschool that said, yeah, we can take your child on had a wait list that they were kind of like, you know, 
our wait list is usually anywhere from six months to two years. It just depends. Crazy. So it's like, what am I going to do? And it is one of those situations where if your child, your young child especially, has type one, beggars can't be choosers. So you kind of just like are stuck with whatever school is going to take you on. And we got really lucky, I will say. So we're at this like local private preschool, like I said, that like the administrator is just one of the most genuinely incredible people I've ever met. She like firmly believes that every child, regardless of ability, is deserving of like true tender love, care, patience, and just everything. So I called her and she was like, oh yeah, we, we've like, we'll put her on the wait list. I will work really hard to move kids around and get her in as soon as possible. Cause she knew that I like needed something quickly. And she was like, she'll be our third type one diabetic. And so, yeah, I was like, oh, you know, whatever. So we started at this preschool with our type one, um, in January of this year, 2023. So we've been there now for a spring semester and we did summer. And so she's starting like her three and four year old class this year with a new teacher. And then the two year old is also going to go just a couple days a week, a few hours a day, just cause, um, I need, I need some time. Raquel, (laughs) we're going to be putting out more stuff. Can't we? (laughs) Um, so yeah, I can explain for like anyone else out there who's got young kids, preschool age kids. I can explain what I did with this preschool, um, back in January. So the first thing was when I talked to the administrator, I explained, obviously, she's type 1 diabetic. We've been diagnosed for this long. We are on a pump and um, a Dexcom. And she knew what a Dexcom was and she knew what a pump was. Her experience with their last type 1, um, he apparently was really poorly controlled. And so she was doing finger pricks every single day, all day long. And he would go up to the 400s and crash down to the 40s. I think she saw a finger prick of 32 one time on him. So just knowing that she had done it so many times and had seen those numbers before, one gave me huge peace of mind, you know? And she was very much so like, Because at first I went into it with all these expectations of the teachers are going to know everything. Someone's going to have the phone up at all times and watching her number every five minutes. And like when I first kind of presented my wish list, basically, the administrator was like, I will have the follow app on my phone and I will set alarms and I will do those things. But we cannot ask the teachers to do those things because that is unfair to the teachers and to all of the other students that are in the classroom. It's two teachers to anywhere from 10 to 20 kids. Right. And she was just like, it just doesn't, it's yeah. You know, it just is unfair to everyone else. And I like at first was kind of irritated. And then I was like, she's so right. That is unfair. It's like putting such a huge burden on these 
two teachers to be like, look at a number every five minutes and make a decision that I would also make, but you're brand new at it and you don't have teaching. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, so this administrator was just, our communication was great from the start. And she was very like, you know, my office is literally 10 steps from my desk to the back door of Hattie's classroom. So if you text me, she's low or she's high, it will take me under 20 seconds to get into her classroom and do what you're texting me to do. Perfect. Yes, exactly. And so that was like what we agreed on. And then in terms of um, dosing and things like that, she had me come in and teach her, the administrator, and the two teachers that were going to be Hattie's two teachers. And so I sat down with the three of them and I went through what the Dexcom phone looked like and what the numbers should be, the range. And I did a very brief, like, if it's high for, like, I will, I will be texting you. I will text you action items. I don't expect you to think of action items on your own and implement them without talking to me or without waiting for me. Like, you know, and so my main thing was just like, if you see a huge drop and you're not hearing from me, that is when I give you all permission to recognize and like use critical thought. Like she just went from 120 to 80 to 55. Like everything's beeping. I haven't heard from her mom yet. I know I need to give her a juice or an applesauce, you know, just like get something done. And so they all really understood that. And then I also trained the three of them on how to use the pump phone. And we agreed on at first one of the teachers was like, oh, how about you bring snack and lunch? And I was like, I don't love that because if you guys provide snack because that's what the school does. They provide snack every day and then each student is responsible to bring their own lunch. If you guys provide snack and Hattie is the only one left out in the classroom having a snack that mom brought her, like she is very mentally advanced. She will pick up on that quickly. She's not going to like it. It's going to be a challenging day for you guys, for her. And so then what we came up with was the administrator, they had like this master list of like 50 items that they just rotate through. And she is a saint and went through every single label at home that night and wrote down a serving size worth like what the um, serving size would be, um, like the grams of carbs. Mm -hmm. She typed up this master list. So let's say they've got graham crackers and string cheese one day, the teachers just go to the master list and go, oh, this serving of graham crackers is 10 grams. Mm -hmm. And they just like do it without telling me. That's such a good solution. Yes. And it was so helpful. And I didn't ask the administrator to do that. I was like, if you just give me the master list, I will provide, I'll provide a guess basically Mm -hmm. of, you know, and if she goes a little high, it's not a big deal. And she was like, okay. And the next day she was like, I did it myself. Do you want to just review it? So sweet. Yeah. And then with lunches, I just put a little sticky note on the front of Hattie's lunch and the teachers know to dose the total amount. And they dose her 
10 to 15 minutes beforehand, there has been a handful of occasions where she's just like 285 and lunch is at 12, but it's 11.15. And I will text the administrator and say, hey, can you or the teachers please give Hattie's lunch bolus right now so we give that blood sugar time to come down before she actually eats. And that's how I avoid like constant highs throughout the day. Wow. I love all of that. It's such a beautiful example of you advocating for her in a way that like doesn't put too much on the teachers. Like you said, you could have been the one to write out all the snack carbs and all of that. But it's not taking that opportunity away from her to have snack just like everyone else, which might sound minor, but like that would have really bothered me as a kid for sure, like not being able to have that thing. And it just makes you feel so much more alone. And yeah, it's just sad as a kid. So okay, we recorded last week that exact episode is not going to come out. We're going to be redoing it. But you said something that I loved. You already know probably <laughs> what I'm saying. So I want you to say it for everyone to hear because I think it's it applies to exactly what you're saying. Do you remember what it was? Not exactly, but it was something along the lines of when – because we were talking about 504 plans and mm-hmm. like getting our kids set up for school and kind of relinquishing control. Yes. And I basically was saying that when we're like – getting everything typed up and advocating for our kids and creating 504 plans and medical plans and stuff like that, the goal should be to set them up for safety, not for perfection. Exactly. Because it is too much to expect a school system to maintain nearly perfect or perfectly in-range blood sugars. It's too much. It's unfair. Our kids are going to pick up on that vibe that we're putting out there little by little, year by year. If there's just like a lot of tension and a lot of meetings about like, well, if she's 181, I expect insulin to be given or, well, if she's 90 with an arrow down, she needs to be, the class needs to be stopped and she needs to be excused to go have four gummies to get it right back perfectly to 108. Like it just, I'm not, <laughs> I say that and I feel like I'm attacking people, but I don't mean to be. I'm, I like don't even have anyone in mind at all when I say this stuff. I think I'm more speaking to myself and the part of me that can get like that when I get hyper, like, oh, it's my responsibility to make sure everything's perfect, you know? And yeah, the goal is so much more about like, okay, are we 70 double arrows down? Like she, yes, fight fight the school to make sure that she's released to go have a snack, you know? Or has she been 250 for two and a half hours and she's still climbing? Like, yes, fight the school that's putting up roadblocks for like, oh, she doesn't need her insulin yet. Like, yeah, she does. Let's figure this out. Right. Yeah. Safety over perfection. I love that so, so much. And it's not just about the teachers, right? Like, and them having so much trouble, but you also need to give room for your kids to just live through school because it comes with so many emotions and adrenaline and ups and downs and stressful moments and happy moments and days that are more active on the playground or during recess and other days that aren't. And there's no way to have 
this perfect understanding of what every day is going to be like. And then to also expect the teachers to just handle every moment perfectly. I don't know. It, it really comes back to impacting your child. I think over anything like they're going to feel it, even if the teacher, if they got start to get angry or annoyed or resentful to you as a parent for constantly bugging them, like that could also rub off on your kids. Like they can pick up on that. And I am someone who really believes you can have blood sugars that make you feel good and that are very similar to someone who does not live with diabetes. But there's a time and a place for that. And there's days where it's just not going to happen. And letting your kid be a kid also brings so much value to their life and to their mental health. So I think that's really good and important. I love hearing your perspective on that like just having lived it and everything Mm -hmm. because all I can think of since my kid isn't in school, like real public school yet, all I can think of is like operating from my lens as a young child and trying to imagine if I had diabetes, if I was Mm -hmm. the one who was different, if I was the one who had all the exceptions, if I was the one whose name was constantly being called to like get up, go go see the nurse. Okay. It's your turn to go get Amanda, go get your diabetes stuff taken care of before lunch. And like all 30 kids turn their head every day to look at me. Like it gives me anxiety just freaking thinking about it right now. And the beeping. I didn't really have beeping (laughs) because I didn't have a CGM, but still. So I was really, really shy as a child. Like when I was especially really little, my parents were concerned. Like I was that shy. Like I didn't want to talk to anyone I didn't know. But in a classroom setting, this was one of the best things that my parents did for me. They really involved me in teaching my teachers about diabetes. So I would go with them to the meeting, maybe not when I was first diagnosed, but at least when I was like a couple years into it. So seven, eight, nine and up. And I would get to hear what information they were sharing with them. And I would also get to share with my teachers what worked for me because just allowing your kid to be part of that conversation is so cool and it gives you a lot of power. And I don't know, it was just easier. And then also, I ended up doing little presentations for my class at least a few years. I don't know if it was every year, but that's not something that I'd normally want to do. Like I was terrified of giving normal school presentations. And like I said, I was really shy, but I think it scared me more or it, it scared's not the right word, but it was hard for me to be called out of class, have to go get my shots, have to go eat something, like have occasional beeping from my pump knowing that my friends didn't really understand why or, you know, it was just kind of this unknown thing and there's a lot more room for judgment there. Mm-hmm. But then when I was able to stand up and be like, okay, here's my site, like watch me put it on. And they were so interested in it and explaining why I had to eat in class when no one else got to bring snacks in class, like why I got to have a phone before everyone else, all of those things. It just made me feel so much better and there ended up being so much respect and this sounds like weird and I don't know, but so much admiration for me, I guess. It was like kind of turned into a cool thing where it's like, oh, she has diabetes. Like this is why she does this. And uh, sometimes they could even help me with certain things. And so that was such an awesome thing for me that hopefully you can talk to your kids' uh, schools about letting your child do eventually. Yeah. You actually just made me think of something. Is So there's this book, I'm pretty sure Mary type one um sorry Mary yeah also I should (laughs) 
I mean, I think everyone knows Mary type one, but it's like, that's not all she is. So sorry, Mary, if you listen. To we love you, Mary. Um, my friend, Mary, no. yes. <laughs> but she shared about this. There's this book called Just Ask mm-hmm, and yes. we have it too. Um, by Sonia Sotomayor. Um, we can put it in the show notes, you guys. And every page is about a kid who has a different disability. And there's um, like ADHD in there. There's Down syndrome in there. There's a kid who uses a wheelchair. And then the author is a type 1 diabetic. So the first page is like her explaining what type 1 diabetes is. And I'm pretty sure that Mary reads it in the beginning of the school year to her students and that's how she like gets into explaining what type one is and what, you know, that she has it, whatever. Anyway, I was like, oh, in my head as you were talking, oh, maybe in the future Hattie should read that book to her class or like have her teacher yeah. read it. And then I was like, dirt to dirt, I should just freaking bring it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna bring it and then um, give it to her teacher and maybe I'll ask Hattie about it first. Yes, I love that. Yeah. I, she's pretty – even though she's you know three and a half, almost four, she's still pretty good about having conversations and like understanding what, what that stuff means. So I think if I say, hey, would you want your teacher to read this to your new classroom so that your new friends understand what diabetes is? Because, you know, I already – went into this new classroom and taught this new teacher how to use her pump too. Um, So when we were in there, the girls were like playing with toys and there were some other kids obviously there too. And one little boy went up to Hattie and was like, what's that on your arm? And Hattie, I could hear like in the distance, she grabs her Dexcom. She goes, it's a Dexcom. I have diabetes. And Ugh. he didn't, I mean, they're so little. He yeah. was just like, oh, and yeah. that's it, you know, it. but it would be nice to go Hattie. I know. <laughs> I know. She's really good about saying, um, I have diabetes. This is my Dexcom or this is my insulin pump. She doesn't go much further than that, but I feel like three that's and four year olds don't need more than that anyway. Yeah, they definitely don't. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so yeah, I think we'll do that. And then I did want to say in terms of like what else I did for preschool is there's a safety box that has all of the low snacks. There's a video on Honey Health um, that I did on this, but it basically just has things that are required in case an emergency happened. And since we're in California, my main thought is on the off chance an earthquake happens when she's at preschool and she is stuck on preschool's campus for 48 hours. What are the supplies required to keep her alive? Mm -hmm. I didn't even bother with providing more pumps because then I have to get another charger for the pump phone and bring it to the school. I have to teach them how to fill a pod. And if I teach them once, but a hurt or a, earthquake doesn't happen for a year and a half. Are they even going to remember it? Like it just felt like mm-hmm. too much. And because they know how to give basic injections because they understand how to give EpiPens and because she's their third or fourth diabetic, they have given injections before. I instead just included 
lantis and syringes and fast acting pens with pen needle heads. And they have a fridge on campus that they're happy to store the insulin in. And then the glucagon's there and I taught them how to use that. And um, an extra AccuCheck so they can do finger pricks. They've had to do finger pricks, I want to say four times total, maybe, um, which they're surprised by. <laughs> they were, her new teacher was like, oh, she's my second diabetic that I've had. And the other kid's mom wanted me to check blood sugar with a finger prick twice a day and text her, mm. even though she had the Dexcom. And I was like, no. No. Dexcoms have gotten so much better too. So it's like, so nice. Yeah, it's like if there's a discrepancy, like she her eyes are glazed over and she's not paying attention, but it's reading like 150. Yeah. Yeah. Do a finger prick. But like, no, I don't need that. She's it's three and a half hours, is the yeah. other thing I should say. That's true. It's not a full day. Um anyway, so yeah. And then there's also on our Instagram, the link in our bio, there's um, an, a free PDF mm-hmm. and it's the guide that I typed out that is specific to Hattie and like her trends and everything, but yes. it is free for you guys to download and you can use it as a resource to help you guide if you're trying to type up your own you know, set of like simple quote unquote orders or directions. Um, and those are laminated and up in the classroom. Awesome. So yeah. All the things. That was really great. (laughs) I I wish I like remembered more about that time in my life, but I really don't, which I guess is a good thing. Like I just handled diabetes and that was that. Well, it looks like we're running out of time and my computer is about to die, I'm realizing, because I'm not okay. in my normal spot with this whole no power situation. Um, it's so nice to be podcasting again with you. I love it. I know. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Okay, guys. We will um, we'll get the 504 episode up as soon as possible. We literally recorded an entire episode and – uh, you know, technology. So we did our best all week long trying to save it and didn't make that work. So we'll get that out. But for now, follow us on all the things. All the links are in the show notes. And yeah, we'll yeah. see you guys next time. Is there one more thing? Oh, blood sugar. yes. Blood sugar roll call. You go. I am 96. Hattie is 139. Yay. All right. Okay. We'll see everyone next week. Bye, Bye. everyone.